What's the worst you can do? Who's going to see it anyway? Said Samson to Delilah. Uh, nice. What do you think? Welcome to Fitzroy's Sunday online service. If you're wondering what that start was all about, then I suggest you watch last week's service and you will see the difference in hair length. We should do a fundraiser, in fact. We should do a competition as to how many inches Steve got off his hair. But uh, there you go. Uh, If you're watching this around the world, you're welcome to our madness. If you're watching it in Fitzroy, you're used to our madness. And if you want to find out, Fitzers, what's going on, as I say, join the website. You'll get a newsletter out and uh, the other stuff's on the website. Um, a couple of things just I'm going to mention Four Corners so briefly because Gladys Daniel's going to talk about it later in the service. But coming up to Lent, we're going to have a Fitzroy Together journey through Lent where we'll have a few Sunday nights where we'll be listening to a few Fitzers sharing their discipleship journeys and there will be hopefully Zoom interaction at that. So look forward to that. There's more details to come. Uh, Let's pray as we come to worship God and to ask God um, to give us the, the courage to follow him this week. Let's pray together. God, you call us to follow you, and we long to do so, but it takes courage. And we pray that this service this morning might be that which by singing, song, prayer, Bible reading and reflection, we might find inspiration and courage to follow the God of the universe as he invites us into revolution and repentance, into good news and a different world. Lord, use this service to bless us deep in our souls. In Jesus' name, Amen.
been very inspired this week by the book I've been reading The City is My Monastery by Richard Carter Richard's an Anglican priest who uh, was involved in an Anglican almost retreat community in the Solomon Islands imagine that to work in St Martin of the Fields Parish in the middle of London Trafalgar Square imagine that and the book it's not a memoir as much as a workbook for how Uh, Richard has been able to find the city as a monastery, as a place where we can worship God, serve God, share the good news and sacrament and scripture and in so many other ways. Sometimes it's prayerful, sometimes it's poetry and sometimes he tells a story. It's been very influential. And so, uh, and he's coming to the Four Corners Festival in two weeks' time. We are so excited. So please look up the uh, Four Corners website and book in for the night that Richard uh, is speaking there. And I think he's actually doing something in our radio service at Four Corners too. This prayer that I'm going to pray is very influenced by him. The first couple of lines are actually his. But as you discover, I then take it on our own journey in Belfast. So let us pray together. Lord, I want to walk with you through my city. I want to walk along pavements, down University Street, onto the Ormer Road, weaving through people of different faiths and political persuasions, people of many nations, colours and cultures, to smell fish and chips, to see carpet stores and the children spilling out of Androchid and running across the road into Mornington for after-schools clubs and then I want to walk on into town. Past cafes and bars and banks and law courts and businesses to Victoria Square. Lord, I want to walk with you through my city as you stop to give dignity to the man sleeping in the doorway. As you pray healing on the woman in the woman's refuge. As you share your own story with the refugee running from their own dangers at home. Lord, I want to walk with you through my city. As you pray for the businesswoman struggling to keep going through lockdown. And as you feel deep sadness for the rich man off to work for what isn't gaining him his soul. Lord, I want to walk with you. As you make that special change of direction towards the hospitals, as you go into the hospitals and put your hand on the shoulder of doctors and nurses and cleaning staff and alike, to breathe resilience, stamina and compassion into their weariness. As you sit at the bedside of those who are ill or dying because of COVID-19, being with them when their loved ones can't be with them, as you pray for those whose treatment is on hold in order that we deal with the crisis of this pandemic. Lord, I want to walk with you through my city. And as I do, Lord, caress my soul with your compassion and love. Be the rock and refuge of the Psalms at my side. 
Lord, I want to walk with you through my city. And as I do, collide with my soul. Turning around my attitudes, my values, my ambitions, my decisions and my daily intentions. Lord, I want to walk with you through my city. To find myself redeemed and transformed by your presence. So that I might do what Jesus would do in my city. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Fitzroy. First, I'd like to remind you that this year's Four Corners Festival is almost upon us. This year, the festival is entirely online, so you can register at www.fourcornersfestival.com. This year's theme is breathe. The Hebrew word ruach means breath or spirit, the source of life. In our 2021 festival, we seek to tap into that spirit and breathe hope into our city fostering creativity and resilience as we respond to the challenges of the pandemic. So we have an amazing lineup of events. The opening night on Sunday, the 31st of January, features Professor John Paul Lederach, Padre Gotuma, Raquel McKee, and music by Fitzroy's own Johnny Fitch. I'll also be in conversation with Professor Lederach later in the week. Other events include Steve in conversation with Duke Special, and events exploring mental health, contemplative prayer to save your sanity, 
racism, and abuse. Old favorites, like The Wonderful Wander and Knitting Four Corners Together, are also offered. And for the first time, we'll also have short morning and evening prayers at 7.30 a.m. and 10 p.m. each day. So please join us. Now, for today's reading. It's from Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. Jesus announces the good news. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him.
follow me and I will make you fishers of men follow me if only Jesus had said to Peter Peter put your hand up at a meeting pray this prayer after me go to church every Sunday and on lockdown make sure that at 11 o'clock you're online watching don't swear or drink or smoke Peter sing new trendy worship songs with your hands up high believe all these important doctrines in this kind of theology be nice Peter if only Jesus had said to Peter be nice Peter if only Jesus had said to Peter but he didn't Jesus said to Peter follow me follow me into the minutes and the hours of every day follow me among the people that you wouldn't really want to be with follow me into the dilemmas of spiritual decision making follow me into the dilemmas of making value judgments follow me into dangerous and dirty and hostile places follow me into the concerns and headaches of family and friendship if only Jesus had said to Peter be nice Peter but he didn't he said follow me and let us love God with all our heart soul mind and strength follow me as we love our neighbours as ourselves follow me as we learn to love our enemies follow me into sacrificial service of those who are not as well off as you are follow me to the cross and the uncomfortable and painful sacrifice and self-denial if only Jesus had said to Peter be nice but he didn't he said follow me let us walk together towards the revolutionary person that I died that you might be to be involved in the revolution in the world to make contributions that I was resurrected for you to make if only Jesus had said to Peter be nice but he didn't he said follow me sometimes I feel that Christian discipleship has been diluted and blunted and made easy that Christian discipleship has become much more a decision that we make at one point of our lives maybe at a mission or whatever else a prayer that we pray after the speaker at the front or somebody who's counselling us down the front it's a decision in a moment rather than the decisions that we make in constant dilemma every day of our lives it's not a comfortable life to follow Jesus it would be if it was just one decision if it was just going to church if it was just some theologies we believed if it was just being nice but it's not whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me follow me today's lectionary is incredibly familiar there's Jesus the side of Lake Galilee and there's these fishermen and Jesus says to them follow me and I will make you fishers of men if you follow me sorry if you're young that was the old song that we grew up with the first time that I probably heard this story and those words follow me 
But it's almost as if nothing happens before Matthew chapter, sorry, Mark chapter 1. It's almost as if nothing happens before these verses. It's almost that Jesus comes out of the sky onto this kind of shoreline and sees these guys who have never seen him and he says, follow me, and they look up and they go, oh, yeah, and they drop their nets because, as we always say in Fitzroy, <coughs> there's never any record that they catch anything, so they give up their nets and they just follow this guy that they've never heard of. Maybe we take in last week's account, you know, Nathaniel and Philip and Andrew and Peter and there'd been a bit of going between Jesus. He'd asked them to come and see where he was staying. He'd shown them a bit of who he was. And this was the moment. This was the moment of decision. This was a fulcrum in the history of humankind. There are many fulcrums in the history of humankind through the Gospels. And I will get hyper excited about many of them. That birth where Jesus is laid in a manger. Or later on where Peter says you are the Christ. Or later on when Jesus shouts it is finished. Or later on when Mary turns to see the gardener is not the gardener but is Jesus. Later on when Jesus ascends. All kinds of fulcrums, changes, shifts. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the interruption of God in the history of humankind. And this is one of the crucial, key moments that we need to focus in on and learn from. Jesus, when he wants us to get involved in him and his community and his family, he says to us, follow me. Follow me is what you press, it's the icon that you press to get into this whole new world. And these words that Jesus is saying in the verses that Gladys read are, I go on about it, but they are a revolution. There's repentance and good news. There's good news and repentance. The good news is that at this moment there's something breaking in. There's a better day. There's an alternative future. There's a Jerusalem coming out of the sky. There's justice to come. There's a new kingdom on earth as it is in heaven beginning to be ruled out. This is the good news. And then there's the repentance that comes with it. Because the life that the world has been living and the life that these individuals have been living is not a life that heads towards what the good news is. We have an amazing ability to head towards bad news. And Jesus has come in order to inform us how we are heading towards the bad news and how he, through his teaching and what he does, can lead us towards the good news. And that's what happens to the disciples. In starting to follow Jesus, they find that they begin to experience the good news. They begin to see the vision of what the good news is. And their lives, therefore, begin to change and repent and be transformed. Not even enough, probably in Jesus' lifetime. Probably we're into the Acts of the Apostles before we see the full whammy of this repentance and transformation. But this is the beginning of walking in a totally different direction, which is what repentance is all about. Not giving up smoking, not giving up swearing, not giving up drinking, though for some those might be good decisions. This is everything changed. 
This is our value judgments. This is our ambitions. This is the drive within us. This is our identity. This is the intentions of our lives. This is putting other people above ourselves. This is another new alternative radical way to live. This is the good news and repentance working its way in the following. I talk about it before that when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, we sometimes are incredibly quick to get him on a cross. If God had wanted to get him on the cross, he could have cut a lot of stuff out here. Because Herod came and killed those children under two because he was looking for Jesus. Jesus could have been the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world before he could even speak or walk or talk. But that wasn't God's way. There was more to be done in this Jesus' life. And this is what we're into now. I always talk about that it's a road from Bethlehem to Calvary to the resurrection to the ascension to the church and to us. Not a route, not a route, not a M1 or M2 or a highway or an autobahn or a state freeway. It's a road. It's a winding road. It's a bumpy road. And it's a road that when we walk with Jesus and when we follow Jesus, that we find out what life's about. So the disciples, I always say, on the road to the Passion Week are picking up off the trees of Jesus' fruit and life all the things that they're going to need for a life of discipleship in the future of the church. They are walking with him. They are listening to him. They are watching him. They are being transformed by the action. And then we come to this week around Easter where something transformative happens in the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ that makes all the things they've learned in the walk possible. Holy Spirit poured out at Pentecost to help with that. Jesus ascended to pray for us to help with that as they walk with Jesus they're being transformed are they not going to be are they not going to be I mean let's look at it I always talk about how things caress and collide with our faith well when we walk with Jesus it caresses and collides with our lives let me start with the colliding boy does it collide with our lives it messes up our lives we could we could be wanting to um, live a life of, uh, of wealth and comfort and self and that's when we walk with Jesus, we find quite the opposite. He had nowhere to lay his head. He was prepared to sacrifice his life for the world. He was prepared to be the first who became last so that the last could become first. Everything's turned around. The ambition of our lives. Let's have, let's save it for a rainy day. Let's make sure that we're secure in a rainy day. Let's make sure that we have the things that we need from this earthly walk. Jesus smashes it all and says, let's see if we can have the things we need for a heavenly walk. It collides with our lives. The attitude, oh, I would, I am going to revenge that person. Collision. Jesus talks about forgiveness. I am gonna, I'm gonna do what I wanna do. Collision. Jesus says sacrifice. I'm gonna have people who are gonna look after me. Collision. Jesus says you're gonna serve others. When we walk with Jesus as these disciples walk with Jesus, it turns around. It repents the way the world and our intuition and inclinations tell us to live. 
when we walk with Jesus and Jesus walks with us it collides with the natural instincts of a fallen world to make us the good news of new but it also caresses us does it not isn't it wonderful to think that the disciples were walking alongside the refuge and the rock and the shepherd of the Psalms that when they got into tough scrapes God was with them Emmanuel was with them they were walking with Jesus what an incredible thing to know that when we follow Jesus when we walk with him and when he walks with us that we have Emmanuel God with us through the tough times through the times we're going through at the minute if we're walking with Jesus then he is there all the promises all the verses that we go to in the Old Testament and in the New essentially have flesh and blood the word becomes flesh and we follow the flesh we have the flesh walk with us and we walk with him quite extraordinary how walking with Jesus caresses and collides with our lives I'd be wrong if I didn't do a wee handbrake turn here and finish with something that I need to finish with was she not incredible Amanda Gorman became my new heroine hero this week you can put you two back on the shelves put them in the bargain bin you can take James K.A. Smith and you can take Colin McCann and you can put them on my shelves to read later. I just was captivated by this 22-year-old girl who said to us that she was just a skinny black kid descended from slaves with a one-parent mother who had a dream of being president and ended up reading for one. She was unbelievable. And there's one thing I want to bring from what she said at the inauguration. If you're saying, what on earth is he talking about? There was a 22-year-old girl, woman, young woman, who read a poem at the inauguration of Joe Biden this week that you need to go now and read on YouTube. And I tell you what you could do. Check out her interview with uh, James Corden. I think that night, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. I'm really captivated by this girl. But right at the end of this five-minute poem, she comes out with these words, and I think they are not just me wanting to make sure I quote Amanda Gorman today, but I think they are uh, into this interruption, this fulcrum of change that Jesus brings with the follow me invitation. Right at the end, she says, there is always a light if we are brave enough to see it, if we are brave enough to be it. There is always a light. Jesus is there inviting us, whispering to us the good news. Repent to an alternative way and you'll find the good news. There is a light in the dark. There is an alternative way to live. There are better days up ahead. There is a kingdom coming on earth. There is a new Jerusalem coming out of the sky. There is always light. But Amanda goes on, we need to be brave enough to see it. In the world that we live in, where we're heading down a road that Jesus is no longer cool, we need to be brave enough to see this light, to see this repentance that's going to mess with us, 
to see this good news that's going to take us upside down and inside out and repent. We need to be brave enough to see it. But then she finishes with that incredible line. We need to be brave enough to be it. Oh, the disciples followed Jesus and they saw it. And they had to be brave at times to see it. But when Jesus came through the cross into resurrection and into ascension and left them behind, then the disciples had to be brave enough to be it. To be the word made flesh among us. To do the Jesus thing. Oh, if we listen today, the words of Jesus whisper. Every day, not a decision I made May the 19th, 1979, but decisions I make every day of my life. Follow me. Follow me. Because there's a light. There's always a light. If we're brave enough to see it. And if we're brave enough to be it. Oh, if only Jesus had said to Peter, be nice. But he didn't. He said, follow me. Just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close to thee. Let it be, dear Lord, let it be. I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. Thank you for being with us again today in this service, encouraging you always 
to try and a fellowship after the service by connecting with somebody. Thank you all of those who connect with us on a Sunday. We really appreciate it. Let us pray the benediction over each other. Um, I don't know in the world at what stage you're in lockdown, but we're in heavy lockdown here in Northern Ireland. And so I'm going to ask us to close our eyes and to imagine those around us in Fitzroy. Uh, you can, if you're a visitor, imagine those around you normally in the church you go to, or maybe if you're not a regular churchgoer, uh, a community of people that you love. And what we're going to do now is pray a prayer of blessing over them as we share the benediction together. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all this day and forevermore. Amen.